0: Good morning once again. We are so glad that you're here, and again, uh, if you are new with us today, if you're visiting with us, uh, if if it's your first time here, we are so glad that you're here. We love new people at Hope. I can't wait to meet you and get to know you uh, more. So just when I think that God could not get any more amazing... Just when I think that God couldn't get any more powerful, just when I think that God couldn't get any more faithful, he shows up with one more surprise that nobody could have anticipated. And uh, you have heard about it in the Hope 360 video earlier if you were here, but last week at all of our campuses at Hope, we just stood up at the end of our message. It was Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, Uh, if we follow the traditional uh, Lutheran liturgy, the, the calendar. And so we're like... It's baptism of our Lord Sunday. We should probably do some baptisms, don't you think? So we did, and we we preached the gospel. We just said, okay, who wants to respond to this? Does anybody want to get baptized? And that's always kind of a vulnerable moment. And so uh, we just kind of did that of all of our campuses. And praise God, I just stood up here, and 43 of you came up and were baptized. So praise God for that. Absolutely so, so awesome. Praise God for the for the transformed lives, for a lot of tears of joy. Uh, families that came up together. It was so cool to see moms and dads and kids come up together, grandpas and grandmas coming up, young and old, different seasons of life to be baptized for the very first time or to reaffirm your baptism of what God did uh, from long ago. But uh, everybody, no matter what age, different backgrounds, uh, we had a, a baptism last night at our Saturday night service. Uh, just just a little, tiny, little, tiny guy in his little suit. Uh, little, little, tiny baby. All the way to, we had some, some grandpa and grandmas come up last week. And it was awesome. And you know who you are. And praise God. Because it's a great reminder, it's never too early to get, reconnect, to get connected to God. It is never too late to get connected to God. Amen? And that's why we do what we do. Yeah, here's the thing. You can clap whenever you want in this church. All right? You don't ever have to feel, even if you're the only one, you can clap. Okay? So just just to get out there. Here's what I told our staff, here's what I told our staff last week. I said, we so often I think we take for granted these things because life gets so busy, right? And it moves so fast and we go on to the next thing, especially for us as a church. God is doing so many amazing things at Hope, and I'll tell you this, it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. We're just not that good, but he is. We're a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people, and we invite you to come along for the ride. We're a group of great sinners, but praise God, we have a great Savior, amen? That's why we do what we do. So at the same time, I don't, man, we just take these things for granted so often. I told our staff, I pray, we, I pray that 43 baptisms in a weekend doesn't get old. I pray that that doesn't get like, oh, that happened, on to the next thing. Like, let's just stop. Like, last week, I just stopped after the last service, after all three services, and just went, man, my shirt is soaked, and wow, when's the last time you just stopped, even in the middle of your day, not even on a Sunday morning, but just in the middle of your day when you get up in the morning and you realize you have breath in your lungs and the sun is coming up again, regardless of what's going on in your life, and you just look up and go, God, wow. Praise God. That's why we worship it has nothing to do with how we're feeling. It has everything to do with who He is. It's not about our circumstances, it's about who He is in the middle of our circumstances. That's why we worship. That's why you see people raising their hands. That's why you see people clapping. Because it's not about what's in here of whether we think that, that we feel like worshiping. It doesn't matter if you feel like worshiping. God is worthy of our worship. God is worthy of everything, of going all in for. And so I never want 43 baptisms to get old, and it has nothing to do with the number either. We don't about numbers and how big of a church hope is and all this stuff. It's not about the numbers. Numbers represent people, and we care about people because God cares about people, getting them connected with the Son, Jesus. So it's not, about, it's not about numbers. It's about getting people connected to Jesus, and that's why it just fits in so well with what we do. This is why we do what we do as a church. Every event, every service, every ministry, every donut hole, right, is for the purpose of making Jesus known and getting people connected to him. And that's why it fits so well with our theme for this year that we kicked off last week. You see up here on the banner, up on the screen, To Be Known from 1 Corinthians 13. We're talking about getting connected with God and with others. And that's why baptism fits in so well. That's why We started the year that way because what baptism says is, I am known by God and not only a part of God's family, as Jed was saying earlier, but you are now a part of a church Family, You are brothers and sisters because God is our Father, and yet it's only the beginning. In fact, last week I, I posted some pictures, uh, as I often do on my, my Facebook page, and I had a, a friend, a buddy that's a pastor in another state, uh, write me a direct message said, wow, John, 43 baptisms. And like, he was trying to be encouraging, but it was kind of a good question too. He said, 43 baptisms, that's a lot of people. Like, now what are you going to do? Like, what do you do now, Right? You have that this emotional, spiritual. Like now, what do you do? And I know he's just kind of being silly, but it's a really good question. In fact, it's a really biblical question, and it fits in perfectly with where we're going today. The question is: Now, what? Not only for you that were baptized recently or last weekend or whatever, but all of us are here. And for a lot of you, you're you're on board with the church thing. You're trying to come on a regular basis. You're you're on board with the Jesus thing, and The question is, great, you're here, now what? (laughs) What does it mean to be the church? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to be known? What does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? And those were the questions that church people in a long time ago uh, were asking the Apostle Paul, this church in a little town you may have heard of called Rome. And so Paul decided to write them a letter and respond to that question, and you know that book as Romans, and that's what you're holding in front of you this morning. So we're going to tackle that question with let Paul be our guide this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or your tablets, get out your Bible app. I would invite you to follow along, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, a group of many of them new believers, converts uh, to Christianity recently, many, many of them probably baptized recently, like a lot of you were, and they're asking that same question. What's next? And we pick it up at this perfect spot at the beginning of chapter 12 where Paul speaks to them. Chapter 12, verse 1. And let's just read this first verse nice and loud together up on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So from time to time, a passage will start in Scripture, and we'll start with the word therefore. Everybody say therefore. therefore. I'll say it like you mean it. Therefore. therefore. It's a really important word. When I was in seminary, one of my professors that was teaching us how to read Scripture authentically taught us to always say, whenever you see the word therefore, you should always ask what the therefore is there for, right? So you're going to remember that now, right? Don't skip over the therefore. It's important. And what the therefore is saying is, look behind. Look behind you. Whenever you're reading scripture, don't just pull verses out of context, right? That's what Facebook is for. Don't do that. Don't be like those people. Read the Bible. Read the stories, okay? Read the context so you understand what's going on. What's the therefore, therefore? It's to point you back to Romans chapter 11, Paul's saying, in light of, therefore, in light of everything I've just said. So don't just start with verse 1 of chapter 12. Go back to chapter 11 and realize that Paul's basically just laid out the gospel. It's everything that we just sang about this morning. On the third day, he rose again. Jesus died on the cross, taking our sin and our guilt and our shame and our death, defeating it on the cross, rising again on the third day pours his Holy Spirit into our lives, empowers us, and in exchange for our sin and death, gives us life now and forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So hear that this morning. If you've never just straight up heard that, God loves you, he has a plan, he has a purpose for your life, and he wants to give you an abundant life now and live in a relationship with you forever. That is the, good, that is the greatest news we could ever hear. And so Paul's saying, in light of that... How shall we live? What would be the proper response to the greatest news you've ever heard? Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Praise his name forever. Thank you for defeating sin, death, and the power of hell. On with my life. Sometimes, right? Oh, praise the name of the Lord, our God. Like, because of what he's done, Paul is saying, what would it look like to live in response to that? And Paul says, you offer yourself as a a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, a.k.a. there's no other way to go but all in with God, to give every part of your life to Jesus, to live as a sacrifice, which is essentially that of a servant, You're living your life as a sacrifice. You're saying, my life is not my own. I'm choosing to inconvenience myself. I'm choosing to lay down my opinions and and my, my preferences for the sake of something else, for the sake of others. Think about it this way. Paul's saying there's two ways to live this life. Remember, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't copy what everybody else is doing. Be transformed. So Paul's saying there's two ways to live this life. Number one is asking, what's in it for me? As you look at life, as you look at church, as you look at part of being a community, there's two ways to look at life. One is, what's in it for me? And that would be the consumer mindset, right? We are all consumers in one way or shape or another, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? You go grocery shopping. You go to a movie. You pick things you want. You go shopping. You go and get things. You are a consumer. The danger is when we bring that mindset into the church and purely act out of a consumer mindset, we completely miss the idea of what it means to be the church. Paul's saying, no, we don't ask what's in it for me. It's the second way of looking at life, and we say, what can I do? contribute what can i bring how can i sacrifice how can i be a servant and lay down my personal preferences and my life for the sake of others what's in it for me or what can i contribute what can i bring one is a consumer mindset one is a servant mindset it all begins with checking your posture everybody say posture Just for fun, everybody check your posture quick. Everybody just kind of sit up, there you go. Some of you are realizing, there we go, awesome. We're gonna be the best posture church, right? You think about that in a physical sense, right? If you're slouched, are you attentive, are you alert? Not as much, right? You wouldn't sit like that in a meeting with your boss, like, hey, I'm here, right? You would sit up, right? God's in the house this morning, right? And he's saying not only check your physical posture, but check your spiritual posture. Is your posture of gimme, gimme, gimme? The world owes me something? I asked that question last night, and there's like a seven-year-old girl right here in the front row. I said, man, does the world owe us anything? And just out of the blue, in front of the entire congregation, she goes, no. I was like, that's it. I'm done. You preach it, right? <laughs> totally messed me up too. But does, does, does the world owe us anything? No. No. A servant posture, that's where we start with being the church as we walk in and we be a part of a community and we say, God, what are you calling me to bring? And that's why I cannot say it enough. It seems like the people around here that have the most joy serve. And Hope Kids agrees, right? They're doing a chant up there or something. Here's why. When Paul says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what he's saying is if you're looking for joy, if you're looking for satisfaction, the world's going to just pound you with that message every day do what feels good. You ever heard that before? Do what's best for you. Have it your way. I think that's Hardee's or something. Nothing against them. But that's the message, right? Do what feels best to you. Live life alone. You know what Jesus does when he comes? Especially in the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospels? He takes that message and he goes, and he flips it upside down. He says, you want to know the way to find joy in this life? You want to know the way to get filled up? You want a way to have a great experience with the church? flip that upside down, put other people first, ask how you can serve, and you will discover that you will get so much more in return. That it's not really so much about what you're doing for that other person, you're going to get so much more back. And we'll not only discover the joy when we do that as a part of a church, we'll actually discover that we're needed, which is where Paul goes next. In verse 4, if you're following along in your Bibles, Paul writes this, "...for just as each of us is, has one body with many members," And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to each of us. So what, what now? <laughs> you're here, you're a part of a church, what now? Number one, check your posture. And number two, play your part. Play your part. Paul says when you, when you look at your body, every part has a specific function. It does something. It's there for a purpose, even the most insignificant ones. Over Thanksgiving at my uh, in-law's house, Tiffany's family, we always play a family Thanksgiving football game, and so we're out there. It wasn't too bad this year. It's two on two, Uh, but we're still having this. uh, It's pretty competitive. It's touch, unless somebody made you mad. Then it's tackle, but uh, it's, it's touch, and we're playing, and I go in my brother-in-law, who's playing keys up here today, zips this pass really fast. I'm kind of getting my inner defensive back on and I stick my hand in there and my finger's pointing out like this and the ball just comes in and goes, bam. And I don't know about you, but I, just, I heard this crunch. It was like, and maybe it wasn't that dramatic, but it hurt. And my top of my finger just starts to swell up. And of course, I'm like, oh man, this really hurts. And it was painful. Now, I realize in saying this last night, some of you ladies have experienced the wonder of childbirth and you are absolutely sitting there going right now, get over yourself, John, right? It's your finger, right? (laughs) Men have no idea. Cold shuts us down for a month, right? So the tip of my finger is swelling up, but here's the point I'm trying to make. Other than that, I'm kind of a baby. This tiny little member of my body affected everything. Like it changed how I open lids, it changed how I write and pick things up and push buttons and open doors. Just this tiny little part. This tiny little insignificant part and it affected the entire thing. And that's why Paul even goes on to say in the spiritual body, even though that f- you that feel like you're very insignificant, you're not, you have a part of the body. So much so in verse five, he says, you belong to each other. You belong to each other. There's this deep connectedness just as every part of the body, the fingers are connected to the hand and the hand to the arm. And yet, for some reason, as a church, we kind of set that aside and we say, well, my gifts, my function, it's not the same as somebody up here on stage or somebody you who's know, really important, you know, so I don't, I don't really matter that much. Or, worse yet, I hear people say, it doesn't really matter if I show up. <laughs> You know, if we're there or not on a weekend, or if I show up for my small group, it it doesn't really matter because they don't really miss you. And Paul's saying, you're you're telling me in the same mentality, what if the hand said to your fingers one day, I'm just not going to show up today? What if your feet just decided, I don't want to get out of bed? How would that go, right? What if your arm just said, ah, I'm not needed, right? Number one, that'd be gross, and number two, the rest of the... Body, the members of the body couldn't do what they're called to do because they're not connected. That piece didn't show up. Your hand and your fingers aren't any good if you don't have an arm. We were meant to be connected. That's how deep that analogy goes with Paul is trying to say here. We are the body of Christ. We can't just lose a member and be okay with that. In other words, Paul's saying, be yourselves. Just be yourselves. Be who God created you to be because you're the only you that we have. I was thinking about that this week, and I uh, told the guys this past week at our uh, men's kickoff that we had, which was awesome. Thanks for those of you uh, that came to that. And I use this analogy. This is kind of the man part of the sermon, but I don't know. Is anybody Braveheart fans out there, the movie Braveheart? Okay. Ladies, too. This is It's good, okay? So here's Mel Gibson over here uh, playing William Wallace and then this is Stephen the Irishman. He's kind of crazy. So there's this scene in the movie, I'm not going to show it to you because it's not exactly a family feature film that I want you to go home and watch but this one scene the Scottish rebels are all lined up and they're getting ready to charge the battlefield against the English and uh, William Wallace over here, kind of the, the leader of this group of these hundreds and hundreds of Scottish guys that are getting ready to go out into battle he gives them this rousing speech and he fires them up and he says, freedom! And everybody gets excited and cheers. And then everybody's all fired up, getting ready to charge into battle. And Stephen, the Irishman, one of his close buddies, kind of leans over him and goes, okay, I'm going to attempt my Irish accent. Great speech. Now what do we do? Right? Sorry, I'm trying. Now I'm switching over to my Scottish accent, which is very different. You'll notice. And William Wallace responds, I just love this. He goes, just be yourselves. Like in the middle of this great epic battle, he, what's, what's the secret? Just be yourselves, right? And that's what Paul's saying, and that's what God is saying to you this morning. Just be yourselves, because God is Scottish or something. And just, just be yourselves. Be who God created you to be. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Comparison is the thief of joy especially when it comes to being the church. And if you look around and say, I'm not as needed, I'm not as essential. If I don't show up, it's not that important. We need you. We need you. Just like the fingers need your hand, need your arm, need your shoulder, need the rest of you, we need you. You are a part of the body. And that's why Paul says, if you can teach, teach. If you can lead, lead. If you can pray, pray. If you're great with kids, go hang out with the kids. Be a part of the body. Be connected. And here's the amazing thing. Paul says, when you do you'll actually discover your purpose. When you connect with something bigger, you discover your purpose. And I couldn't help but think this week, of course, that's a perfect analogy for the Iowa football team, right? Isn't that what you were thinking? Now I promise, this will be my last Iowa football reference at least for another week. So I I just thought I'd sneak one more in there. You know, uh, we kind of had a tough bowl game, so we need to bounce back a little bit. And just remember this moment. Do you remember we beat Michigan this year? Do you remember that? you remember that? Okay. So here we go, okay? It's the middle of November. We're uh, uh, We're down two. There's about three seconds left. And a true freshman kicker, okay? Keith Duncan comes up. Michigan's ranked number three in the country. It's like a classic battle of... Iowa is David, clearly, because we're on God's side, and then the heathen (laughs) Michigan is Goliath, right? It's this classic David and Goliath. It's a godly spiritual warfare in Kinnick Stadium going on here. And just let's relive it, just 45 seconds, one more time of what happened. And as you watch this, don't think so much about Iowa or football or celebration. Think about the power of a team, okay? Let's check it out. Oh, man. Is that not a beautiful sight? People, I'm telling you, that's a glimpse of heaven. Just get ready for it, okay? There's going to be a lot of charging the field in heaven. So here's the thing. In my mind, that has very little to do with football anymore. For the sake of today, it has everything to do with being a part of something bigger and playing your part. When you think of a football, don't think about that. But when you think about a football team, what are the first positions that come to mind? Just yell them out. Quarterback, Quarterback, right? Receiver, running back, right? Those three things. Anybody say the kicker? The freshman kicker, the seemingly most insignificant part of the body of the team? No. How did Iowa win that game and take down Goliath? The kicker. How did David defeat Goliath? Stones. A little boy with three stones. Not an army. The kicker, the most seemingly insignificant member of the team. And here's the thing. When he does his job, when he kicks the goal through the uprights, the whole team wins. When the quarterback throws, when the receivers receive, when the running backs run, when the tackles tackle, right, or block, when they do their job, the whole team wins. Here's what I love about this game. This picture was taken of Coach Ferrance and the players in the locker room after that game. Do you see his face there in the middle? It's called passion. And it has very little to do with football, and it has everything to do with the guys that are around him. When it comes to being the church and experiencing community, have you discovered that? Or are you still kind of doing things alone? Because if you're doing Christianity alone, you're going to miss that. He's been doing this for over 30 years, and what is it that keeps him going? It's those guys around him. That for many of them, he is a father figure too. It's called family. It's called the power of community. And here's what he said afterwards. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is a direct quote from Coach Ferentz in Des Moines Register after that game. He says, that's why you do this. Whether it's in Kinnick or a parking lot, the feeling that everybody had in that locker room of doing something really significant, get this, and doing something significant together, that's what life is all about. Notice he didn't say, that's what football is all about. He said, that's what life is all about. Is he on to something here? Does he know that 90%, well, more than that, because Iowa sends a lot of people to the NFL, but most of the guys in that locker room, this is going to be one of the last football games they play in their life. And he knows I'm preparing them for life, not to be jocks, to be men and men of faith. Something significant together. There's power in doing something significant together because you were created for that. Not to listen to a sermon podcast in your living room or in your bedroom alone every single week and say, I went to church. You didn't go to church because the church is here, because it's people. It's not a building, it's the people. You can't experience that. You can sit at home and you can play guitar or you can play piano or you can listen to worship music in your car. And that's great. All those things are great. But something amazing happens when Jed and the team come up here and everybody plays their instruments together and makes this beautiful worship music and leads us into the presence of God. They're a band. They're a team. And there's power in that when each part of the body plays its part. Experience that in church. And if you haven't, start with number one, check your posture of a consumer or a servant mentality. And number two, play your part. And so we don't want to just talk about it today. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. On your chair today, there's a little flyer that says join the team. And this is exactly what we're talking about. And rather than being a, a pitch for all the ways that you can get involved, and trust me, there are plenty. If you ever thought, whoa, Hope's a big church and they got it all figured out. They don't need me. Think about your fingers working without your hand. Think about your hand working without your arm. We need you, and God is calling you into the game to be a part of the body. But here's what I want to say about this. For some of you, you're going to pray, and you're going to think about it, and you're going to know what God's calling you to do, to be a part of, be a part of the band, to be a part of the team, to be a part of the body. For some of you, what God's calling you to do is not on that document, and that's totally fine. Seven years ago, I had a gal come up to me and said, John, you know, this is, you're doing, you know, City Branch over at Hubble Elementary School is where we were meeting. He said, this is great and everything, but I just, I have this, I don't know, this thing that God put on my heart that there's a lot of people that may not have a chance to worship. What if we got an old school bus and we went around to a couple of the the homeless shelters here in town, we started picking people up. And so we started to do that and people started to show up. And they're like, well, what if we had breakfast? Breakfast? What if we? they came for the sausage and stayed for Jesus? Now that would be awesome, right? And lo and behold, seven years later, you're here, right? Praise God for that. You wouldn't be here unless that member of the body said, God laid something on my heart and I'm going to do something about it. For some of you, that's going to be you today. And seven years from today, there's going to be people that are a part of God's family because you acted on that, because you were obedient to that call. So it may be on that document, it may not be, but here's what I want to challenge you. Some of you are looking at that going, whoa, there's a whole list of opportunities. What am I supposed to do? Right? I've heard people say that. Where do I plug in? What do I do? My challenge to you this morning is to not think so much about the what. God's calling you to figure out your why. God's calling you to figure out your why. The passion and the purpose for why you do what you do. To find your why if you go back to Romans chapter 12 this is exactly what Paul's saying therefore is another way of setting up a what and a why when it comes to being a christian there is a why and there is a what and paul puts the why first the first 11 chapters of romans he's building the case he's laying out That We are all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus came to fulfill that. Jesus came, he lived, and died, and rose again, defeating the power of sin, death, and hell, and offering you eternal life in exchange. That's the why. That's why we do what we do. The what is Romans chapter 12. Therefore, go all in with Jesus. Be all in for him. Every part of your life, live for him. That's the what. So the why comes before the what. Always. And sometimes, in order for us to figure out what God's calling us to do, what he's calling us to do, God wants to have us rediscover the why behind why we do it. A couple years ago, there's a Christian comedian named Michael Jr. that I loved, and we've heard from him a little bit before here, but he sets up this segment where he draws up this distinction between the what and the why and has this powerful encounter at one of his shows just out of nowhere, and it just frames this conversation for us perfectly. Let's take a look. There is no doubt <laughs> that he knew his why. Do you? Or are you going through the motions of this whole church thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Kind of makes you want to stand up and sing it, doesn't it? But I want you to think about it. Many of us, whether it comes to being a part of the church or just living your life, you know you're what? Right? Right? You know what you are. You know who you are. I'm a, I'm a middle-aged businessman. I'm a mom with two kids. I'm a young professional in marketing. I'm a retired grandmother of three and grandmother of two. I'm a young dad. What, that's your what. Even your job, that's what you do, and that's awesome. But have you discovered your why? When it comes to serving, and especially when it comes to being a part of a church, it's so essential we find Our why, what is the reason you get out of bed every single morning? What is the reason you keep going back at it? What is the reason that when all the circumstances around you would say, give up, give in, it's not worth it, you've got to have a why that's fueling that, that's the gas in your tank, that's the fire in your belly that keeps you going. What is your why? And I will tell you this, your why may not be your job. Your why fuels your job. Your why works through in and amongst and transcends your job because you're calling from God, that fire that he's put inside of you, you carry with you wherever you go, and it's not limited from nine to five. Amen? It's bigger than that. Your why, your fuel, and even in the church, hundreds of you that serve every single week, you know your what? You're you're a breakfast club server, you are a greeter, you're an usher, you're a band member, you are a, a whiz kids mentor during the week. That's your what. Have you discovered your why of what inspires you to do what you do? And here's the thing, not to be Debbie Downer, but the danger is, and I've seen this the last eight years, some people when they move into serving, we get this idea that busyness equals spiritual growth. If I can just get busy with a lot of things and serve, then God, then then I'll be really good with God, right? Busyness does not equal discipleship. And I'll hear people say all these mixed motives for serving other than finding their why. I'll I'll hear people say, well, you know, I should probably, you know, get involved somehow because, you know, it's a good thing to do. And it's, you know, everybody else seems to be doing that there at Hope. And it's, it's, I probably should. It's kind of our Christian duty to serve. Boy, that'll just light you up. Man, I should. God didn't create you for a should or a guilt trip. Jesus didn't defeat the power of sin, death, and hell so that you could feel guilty and feel like you should serve. He lived and died and rose again so that you could find a fire inside of you that won't go out, that will sustain no matter what's going on in your life if you're serving out of guilt in the same way that we tell you don't give financially if it's out of guilt or pressure I'd say the same thing if you're feeling guilty or like everybody else is doing it God wants your heart in the right place more than he wants your busyness and I'd say the same thing about us as a church God is way we are way more interested in you getting your heart back than you getting busy and that's a really important distinction. Other false reasons I'll hear from time to time, I'll hear people say, you know, I, well, I figured out, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this or I'm really good at this. Now, I figured I'd do the church a favor. You know, I, it's good to do some charity work and then I'll kind of get back to my, my real stuff. God says, this is the real stuff. Don't do the church a favor. Come and be family and learn how to love people well. That's what God wants. He wants you to be connected, not to do him a favor. He doesn't really need it. He's God. (laughs) He wants you to learn who you've created. He knows who he is. But when you get connected, you learn who you are. The other thing I'll hear people say is, man, I love to serve. I love to help those less fortunate. I love to help out around the church because, man, it makes me feel so good inside. And that's good, and that's important. But what happens when it doesn't? What happens when serving gets hard? What happens when serving gets messy? What happens when it becomes completely inconvenient for your schedule and you're like, God, wait a minute. This is totally messing with me. And God says, you better believe it is. I'm messing with you. I'm gonna mess with everything. I'm gonna make you a brand new kind of person and so you're gonna get messed with and it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be difficult. Jesus said, nobody ever said following me and serving was gonna be easy. It's gonna make your life worth it. It's gonna bring you the joy and the satisfaction. Good feelings just won't sustain. So it can't just be about, we need a deeper why. We need something more. And that's what a gal named Betsy discovered. A while back, we filmed Betsy's Hope Story, and she's actually one of the leaders at uh, WizKids, the same program we do here on Thursday nights with Freedom for Youth and partnering with them here in the city. She is one of the site coordinators at the Johnston campus of Kids for Freedom for Youth. And she has this amazing hope story about how God called her to play her part and find her why. Let's take a look.
1: When I was a young child, my parents were very involved in our church. We always went to church, always serving, always teaching Sunday school, Bible school, and taking us with. So I had a really amazing examples of serving parents i've been to a point where i didn't recognize the love that god had for me and my parents had for me i didn't go to church i knew church was important but it wasn't until the birth of my first child in 2005 that i realized this is really important and something i need to get back into focus i'm thankful that they had planted the seed and watered it this fall I was asked to help volunteer um, with Freedom for Youth. They were starting a new Wiz Kids program that's their elementary programming in Johnston. It's reaching out to kids in a neighborhood that aren't that are in our school district that are eventually going to be my children's peers. It was an easy thing to say yes to. Little did I know that God was really placing on me that this was about to become a part-time job for me, that I am now the site coordinator. As of April 1st, I was the, became the site coordinator at um, the Johnston Wiz Kids program. And I think that a lot of people, not just children, a lot of people don't have that church home and they don't know that feeling of love. And so I really, am. my goal is to provide that, but I just want it mainly to be a safe place where they can feel love. When Vacation Bible School was coming up, uh, we had invited all of the children from our WizKids program to come, and we had five of them decide to come. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, sure, I'll do it, but it was one of those deals where Hope has vans, they have resources. Why do I have to get up early and go get these kids? But I want them to be there, so I'll do it. And I think it was on Thursday, and I was everybody was good and tired by the end of the week, because it had been a long week, and I came in from helping outside and snuck into the back of the room and the kids were singing, Lord, I need you. And one of my fifth grade boys, I couldn't find. He had scooted himself up, so he was right behind the four-year-olds and he's singing, Lord, I need you and belting out this song and doing the sign language. And it felt like God had really just opened a window for me that I just got to stand in the back and take this peek through this window just to see what he was doing to make me say you can get up tomorrow and drive them again and if they want to go next week or whatever they want to do you need to make that effort because this child is being blessed but I think by God opening that window I was the one who received that blessing.
0: So it wasn't easy but God changed her posture. Did you see this? He changed her posture to that of a servant and then he showed her her why. Because God is passionate about kids. And when she found out her why, it made her what of serving within Whiz Kids a no-brainer. Because she discovered the fire. What is your why? That deeper sense of purpose and meaning for why you do the things that you do. And I've seen it in people around Hope Des Moines as well. I've seen people go, I hear people say, I'm just a greeter. <laughs> and then when they get it, they say, you know what? I get to stand on the front step of the porch of God's house every single week and welcome people home. Yeah. Others have gone from saying, you know, I, I help out with Hope Kids once in a while. I, you know, do my good deed for the week up there, help, help with the kids a little bit, to, you know what? I'm helping raise the next generation of young disciples in Des Moines. That's my Why? I've seen members of our worship team up here go from, you know, I play my guitar, help out in the band once in a while, to I get to help lead hundreds of people every week into the presence of God. They found their why. What do all these have in common? What does Betsy, what did Michael Jr., all these stories have in common? They found their why, they found their purpose when they connected it to the kingdom, when they connected it to Jesus. And if you don't connect it to the kingdom, and if you don't connect it with Jesus, it's never gonna fill you up. It's never gonna fill you up. If you have a consumer mindset, you're never gonna be satisfied. But if you have a servant leader mindset, you'll always be satisfied. God wants to fill you up. You'll never find joy until you find your why behind what you do. And take that outside the walls, into your job, into your home, and instead of, well, I have this job and I put in my time. You don't just sit behind a desk and work in a cubicle. You're an ambassador of the king to those around you. You're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're, you're, a, you're a leadership development expert for early childhood education. You're so much more. Some of you are like, oh, John, that's just like nice little wishful thinking. No, it's not. It's kingdom thinking. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of kingdom thinking. It's doing what you already do with gospel intentionality. Every day, it's finding your why. And if you want to dive deeper into this and find out what your gifts and your why, we're going to go deeper into this in a class coming up called Serve. And I want to encourage you to sign up for that. If you're interested in that, of finding more about how God's wired you up for Wednesday nights, we're going to dive into that deeper. When it comes to serving, when it comes to be a part of a church family, find your why. Find your, as Paul says it, your fervor. And that's where we end here today in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. After Paul goes through what it means to be a part of the church, he says this, and let's read it together. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor for serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor. Fervor. Everybody say fervor. It's kind of fun to say, but what's more fun to say is the Greek word that is fervor, and that's zeo. Everybody say zeo. Put a little breath behind it. Zeo. Zeo is not so much a spiritual word. It's just a really practical term. And in Paul's day, in Jesus' day, is a term for a pot boiling over. It's used to describe oftentimes people that are angry, Ever heard somebody say, "I'm just—I was boiling up with anger. It's just like boiling up inside of you to where it overflows." This zeo is used for anger boiling over with something that's bad, or boiling over with passion. And Paul says, "Keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your zeo going, because your what it what goes in the pot. Your why is what fuels it." There's nothing in here, by the way going to blow anything off, right? This is your what. But here's the thing Paul's saying. Your fervor, your zeo, it doesn't matter what your what is, what your job is, how many kids you have, what you do from nine to five. It doesn't matter how you serve in the church. If you don't know what this is that's fueling you, it's not going to work, right? It's not going to cook. It's not going to boil over. The zeo is not going to boil over inside of you. And the good news is if you've lost that, if you're serving just because you feel like you should and you've lost your fire, your fervor, your zeal, God wants to give it back and I got really good news. His lighter is a lot bigger than this. He's got the world's biggest blowtorch, and he wants to light your heart on fire this morning. He wants to set you on fire so that you not just know what he's calling you to do, you know the why. And that changes everything. And so that's our prayer this morning. And so as you look at that, that brochure, that's a lot of what's. And here's what I'll tell you. Ask God for your why. This will be a no-brainer. You'll just look through and go, oh yeah, God's laid that on my heart. I'm just, I, yeah, absolutely. It won't even be about, what am I going to volunteer for? It'd be like, this is my part to play. I got my fervor back. I got my fire back. This totally makes sense. This won't be an issue at all. You'll just do it because that's what God's called you to do when you find your Why? And that's our prayer this morning, that God would set a fire down in our souls that we can't contain and we can't control. It'll just boil up. That fervor will just boil up inside of us, and it'll overflow into being the church and being who God's called us to be. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to respond. So let's stand, and Jed's going to lead us in just this short song, and let's make this our prayer to God. Our prayer. God, set a fire down in my soul. Let's sing it with everything that you've got and respond to God this morning. Set a fire.